the Bible tells us that there is nothing new under the sun. If that's true, that means we ought to be able to learn from history. There's another famous saying as well. It says, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. That was George Santayana in 1905. So what can we learn from history and how do we apply it today? Well, what we face now is a higher tech version. It's important to know that there are lessons from the past that can help guide us, even in difficult times. Our lesson today comes from Fast Eddie. Join me in the Economic War Room where we'll learn Fast Eddie's secret to preserving America. It feels as if everything is happening so fast and is completely out of control. Socialism seems destined to overtake America, plunging humanity into a new Dark Ages period. The elites seem to be gaining a science fiction level of control at the expense of individual liberty. In the last election, it didn't do much to restore our faith in the American experiment either. But I have two messages for you. One, you are not alone. And two, people have faced similar challenges before and overcome them. The Bible is full of examples when people felt alone and God showed them that they weren't. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10, I'll read to you from New King James. It says, So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. You know, just a few verses later, verse 18, in fact, God makes it clear to Elijah, he was not alone. First, God was with him. But also God tells him that there were 7,000 others who would stand with him. Then in verse 19, God brings Elisha alongside Elijah. Now in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17, there's another time when those serving God felt alone. Let me read it. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So Elisha answered, he said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open the eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Bottom line, they weren't alone, and neither are you. In fact, we may be in the majority, as Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson recently shared with us in episode 212. But tyrants, they stoke our fear of isolation to silence, divide, and conquer us. We learned that from Stella Morabito's great new book, The Weaponization of Loneliness. Be sure to catch that episode also. We are not alone. Now the second point, people have faced similar challenges before and overcome them. Here, I could throw at you David versus Goliath, or one of my personal favorites, the Battle of Dunkirk. But this episode, I'm going to tell you about a man who was nicknamed Fast Eddie. And now, just to put your mind at ease, I'm not referencing the slick-talking electronic salesman in New York City. That was Crazy Eddie. No, the Fast Eddie I'm referring to loved cars. In fact, he set the world land speed record at Daytona in 1914, clocking in at 134 miles per hour, which is pretty fast for 1914. While he was great at racing and once even owned the Indianapolis 500, he was best known for flying. Of course, I'm referring to America's most famous World War I flying ace, Fast Eddie Rickenbacker. In fact, 
Captain Rickenbacker, as he was later known, was called America's Ace of Ace. And his story's amazing. He was awarded a Medal of Honor in 1930. Even Snoopy's battles with the Red Baron, they're patterned after him. There's so much we can learn from Eddie Rickenbacker. And yes, his story is extremely relevant today. Let's start with two of the biggest challenges that we're facing right now. The first, the long march to socialism and the takeover of our government by socialists. And the second is cancel culture, where you can get cut off, defunded, or outright centered if you don't go along with the socialist takeover. Those are real problems. The last election was not the red wave of Republicanism that so many people had expected or hoped for. Instead, things seem to go according to plan for the Biden Democrats. Now, normally in a midterm election, the party that holds the White House, they lose quite a few seats in both the House and Senate. That didn't happen this time, despite massive national angst. More people think that we're on the wrong track than the right track. Inflation is uncomfortable. Uh, President Biden is viewed as wildly unpopular. We had a debacle in Afghanistan. The border is porous. People are dying from fentanyl. Energy prices and the crime rate, they've spiked. And the Democrats have put forward a very weak slate of candidates. Despite all of this, they kept the Senate and may have actually increased their control. They barely lost the House. It's so close that uh, nobody perceives a Republican mandate. The red wave crashed into a blue wall. What that translates to is full speed ahead for the new New Deal, aka the Green New Deal. Essentially, we're being told to give up personal liberty for the greater good defined by the elites. It's all laid out in my recent book, According to Plan, the elite secret capture to plan to sabotage America. But this is nothing new. We saw this in the 1970s and before that in the 1930s. President Reagan warned us that every generation would have to fight for freedom, and this is our fight. And so it's not so different from what Eddie Rickenbacker had to face in the 1930s. To set the stage, consider these similarities. The early part of the last century was a time of incredible innovation. News by radio, automobiles, electricity, then the airplane, and a world at war. Things were happening fast, and technology seemed overwhelming. Then there was a pandemic called the Spanish flu and vaccines and healthcare was modernizing and globalizing. Then there was a serious economic crash that opened the door to a complete restructuring of the American economy. It was in this environment that Captain Eddie Rickenbacker, the entrepreneur, stood up. Rickenbacker owned auto companies, a speedway and eventually an airline. He was a war hero in the 1930s and he was loyal to America and the free market economy. When he saw Roosevelt confiscating gold, taking control over whole industries, he was alarmed. Socialism was on the march and America's ace of aces was not one to sit still. Rickenbacker's politics were decidedly anti-communist. He supported America first. He opposed the Roosevelt New Deal and he did so vigorously and was canceled and censured for doing so. First in 1934, President Roosevelt cut off a government mail contract with Rickenbacker's Eastern Air Transport. That was a huge blow. It was economic warfare. Roosevelt gave the contract to the Army Air Corps and Rickenbacker had helped build that. You need to understand that running mail across the country was not the military's key strength and it wasted valuable resources. The pilots were not trained to fly that way. Captain Rickenbacker protested because he thought it was the government taking private contracts, but he also knew that pilots unnecessarily had died. We'll tell you more about this when we return from the break. 
To tell you more about Captain Eddie Rickenbacker, let me quote from history.net. Here's a quote. To show that the airlines were better qualified to fly the mail, Rickenbacker with Jack Fry, vice president of TWA, and a contingent of journalists flew coast to coast in the one and only Douglas DC-1, the granddaddy of all Goonie birds, in 13 hours and two minutes, a transcontinental record for commercial airplanes. It was public protest against what Rickenbacker bitterly denounced as legalized murder since three army pilots had died trying to get to their assigned stations. We told you Roosevelt cut off Eastern Airlines in an act of economic warfare to defund Eddie Rickenbacker. And you know what? He also censored him. After Rickenbacker proved that commercial airlines were better suited to deliver mail than fighter pilots, Congress took action. Here's from history.net. The Air Mail Act of 1934 was passed after several more Army pilots were killed because they were untrained in instrument flying and their aircraft were inadequately equipped. The legislation changed the structure of U.S. civil aviation, established the Civil Aviation Authority that granted control over airports, air navigation aids, air mail, and radio communications. And Rickenbacker was fighting back against socialism. And he wanted to go on the radio that the government had just taken control of. And he went to the radio and he started to tell the story of what Roosevelt was doing. And guess what? President Roosevelt just called RCA, Radio Corporation of Americans, and take him off. The first man canceled, Eddie Rickenbacker. You know what else he did? He raised salaries. He improved working conditions. He instituted an employee stock option plan. He wanted to show that private enterprise works better than government handouts. And even in 1938, Rickenbacker bought the airline, Eastern Airways. As he saw it, Eastern Airlines showed that free enterprise works for all parties. It was the only commercial airline to operate without subsidies. Even better, Eastern had the best safety record. In 1937, Eastern was the first airline to receive an award from the National Safety Council. It flew for seven years, 141 million miles, without a single passenger fatality. FDR wasn't happy that America's ace of aces was vocally demonstrating that free enterprise is superior to his New Deal. So here I told you about this, quoting from warhistory.com, Rickenbacker believed FDR was implementing socialism and the famed fighter ace refused to stay quiet. He spoke out against President Roosevelt regularly and on public radio, criticizing the New Deal and the president himself. And FDR canceled Eddie Rickenbacker. So much for free speech. It's sort of like Twitter banning you if you vocally disagree with the official COVID narrative. Oh wait, they did that, didn't they? So here we have it. There's nothing new under the sun. The government tries to take over the whole economy and then attempts to silence anyone who disagrees with them. I get it. Things are more complex now, but the basic principles remain exactly the same. What we need to learn from Fast Eddie Rickenbacker is he outlasted FDR. He built Eastern Airways into a powerhouse before his retirement in 1963. He was a captain of industry after World War II, and he helped steer America back to free enterprise. He was never really silenced, and he never was afraid to stand up for what he knew to be true. So I've captured five life lessons from Fast Eddie Rickenbacker that I believe apply today. 
These can help us in times of adversity and in our fight for economic liberty. They are one, strive with excellence. Two, maintain fidelity to principle. Three, put aside differences when required. Four, persevere through faith. And five, have the right attitude always. So let's walk through these. Number one, strive with excellence. Notice I did not say achieve with excellence. That's because it doesn't come cheap or easy. Eddie Rickenbacker was a troubled teen when his dad died in a work-related incident. He quit school and worked any job he could find to help his struggling family. It was there that he became fascinated with the early days of the auto industry. Young Rickenbacker took a correspondence course to learn how to be a mechanic. And his hard work paid off. He caught the eye of automobile entrepreneurs like Harvey Firestone. He demonstrated excellence and rose through the ranks, eventually becoming a race car driver and eventually owning the Indianapolis 500. As, as the First World War began, all careers shifted. Eddie volunteered and started as a military driver for officers in Europe. But because he'd mastered mechanics, he was soon asked to be the chief engineer at a flight school in France. And that's where he became fascinated with airplanes. And he leveraged that into getting an opportunity to get a pilot's commission and go through the flight school himself. His fellow pilots, they looked down on him. He was uneducated. He was unworthy. He hadn't gone to college. But Eddie's continuing commitment to excellence made it possible for him to outshine all of them. And when the war ended, he brought down 26 enemy aircraft and earned the moniker Ace of Aces. That's our first lesson. When facing adversity, become so excellent that you can't be ignored. No matter your business, do it better than anyone else. And don't just complain about what's wrong. Lesson number two, always demonstrate fidelity to principle, even above self-interest. There's so many examples where Captain Rickenbacker chose the right path even when he could have taken the easy way out. As one example, he refused to take bankruptcy when he was $250,000 in debt. In today's dollars, that's over $4 million. He wasn't going to go bankrupt. He paid everybody back, every penny. In his early years, he actually made a lot of money racing cars. He made the equivalent of a million dollar a year salary, actually $40,000 a year at the time. But he did not hesitate to join the war effort. He gave up a million dollar a year salary. He further stood by his principles after the Great War when he testified at the court-martial of General Billy Mitchell. He knew his commander was being falsely attacked and was willing to stand up to the Department of Defense and set the record straight. He put his career on the line for what he knew to be right again. Oh, did I mention he also closed the Indianapolis Speedway for the war effort? He knew that there were more important things than racing cars, and he felt the military could use the rubber, the steel, and the gasoline. Even when Captain Rickenbacker was promoted major in his retirement, he turned it down. He felt captain was the proper rank. He chose principle over personal benefit. Time and again, that proved true, and that's the second lesson. This is not a time to cut corners or take the easy way out. We can't cheat in elections even if we think they're cheating. Now, a third lesson is the importance of putting aside differences when something greater is at stake. I've already shared how Rickenbacker opposed the New Deal and was punished by Roosevelt for doing so. Despite this, when Roosevelt called just after Pearl Harbor, Captain Rickenbacker responded. He was asked to undertake a secret mission and deliver a message to General MacArthur. It would have been so easy to say no. At least put up a fight. Rickenbacker was a civilian. To make things harder, Roosevelt wanted him to be a vocal supporter of his policies and rally the troops in the Pacific. 
Not only did Eddie Rickenbacker do it, he did it without complaint despite great hardship. He had a national attention, but he demonstrated his loyalty because he felt it was an important cause. Now, we may face such moments when we have to support something or someone because the cause is just, even if we disagree with the others promoting it. Maybe when Muslim parents want their schools to stop sexualizing children, Kelly Shackelford will step in and say they have free speech and religious liberty rights. Standing up for what's right can often bring some unexpected costs and consequences, and that leads us to the fourth lesson. Captain Rickenbacker had no way of knowing the high price he would have to pay to compete, complete Roosevelt's mission. This is a man who had endured many hardships. He had faced death countless times in his missions as a fighter pilot. He'd been in car wrecks, threatened by the president, nearly bankrupt, but he had no idea that his greatest trial would lie ahead. And it was the direct result of putting aside his differences to do what he believed was the right thing, and it almost cost him everything. This trial nearly killed him, but through it, he uncovered a faith he never knew he had. Now, we're going to take another break. When we return, I'll explain lesson number four, perseverance through faith. Understanding, literally understanding this can make the difference between life and death. It did for Eddie Rickenbacker. Stick around to learn why. In the economic war room, we've been learning lessons from Eddie Rickenbacker. And lesson number four is perseverance through faith. I told you about the lengthy battle between President Roosevelt and Eddie Rickenbacker. Roosevelt canceled contracts, illegally silenced Rickenbacker, cut him off from the airwaves. But then Pearl Harbor was attacked and Eddie Rickenbacker agreed to a secret mission for the president, even agreeing to rally troops along the way. He had no idea how this would change his life, or should I say, he had no idea how much it would cost him. Rickenbacker's tour required him to take a B-17 transport from Honolulu to Canton Island en route to General MacArthur, but the flight never arrived. There was a navigational failure causing Rickenbacker's plane to miss a refueling stop and eventually forced the plane to ditch into the Pacific. Rickenbacker wasn't the pilot, he was just a passenger, but he took command of the situation. Without any real rations, adrift at sea, hopelessly lost, eight men shared three life rafts. One of them was severely injured and eventually died, and the other seven endured 26 days without any external reason for hope. All of this is recounted in Rickenbacker's book with the title, Seven Came Through. It's a miracle story, and Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was, as always, a genuine hero. The men prayed for miracles and survived on captured rainwater. Then one day a seagull landed on Eddie's head and he grabbed it, defeathered it, and shared the meat in equal portions so all remaining would survive. Rickenbacker believed the seagull was a sign from God that they should never give up. He said prayers nightly for all involved. After more than three weeks, a plane spotted the rafts and eventually they were rescued. Even after the rescue, Eddie continued his mission. He went on to find MacArthur. He could have given up and gone home, but instead he had to deliver the secret message. After that, he then went to the War Department and taught them how to equip planes so that they could better survive when they landed in the ocean. And then he began a tour of America to sell war bonds. He even undertook a 55,000-mile trip to encourage our allies in Russia and China. Rickenbacker was offered the rank of Major General. He refused it. He wanted the freedom to tell the truth and to criticize the government as necessary. The point is this. Hardship did not make Eddie Rickenbacker a quitter. Instead, he looked for solutions. 
And we can't be quitters either. We must learn to persevere through faith. And that leads us to the fifth lesson, a simple one. We must always have the right attitude and express it with as much joy as possible. Obviously, there are times when frustration comes out, but this is not how we win in the long term. It's not through our frustration, it's through our perseverance. Frankly, I'm getting a little tired of every newscast being focused on what's wrong and how we're losing. My friend Joy, who passed away last year about this time, she called such discussions Satan's newsletters. We spent so much time belly aching over problems without even trying to think of solutions. Now that's not what you get in the economic war room. Not only are we always looking for the silver lining, we're also always looking for solutions. I don't think there's another show on television, or the internet, or podcast, or program anywhere that is as solution-driven as we are. Every week we try to share with you the bad, the good, and the beautiful. It's the opposite of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, there are problems, but there is a reason for optimism, and there are practical things we can and should do to bring about solutions. Let me share, that was Captain Eddie Rickenbacker's life approach, and he held true to it even under the worst of circumstances. Let me give you some example from history.net describing Rickenbacker's ever-present optimism even when it enraged his companions. Here's a quote. As the days dragged monotonously on and no search planes appeared, Rickenbacker cajoled, insulted, and even angered everyone in an attempt to keep their hopes alive. One man tried to commit suicide to make room for the others, but Rickenbacker accused him of being a coward and hauled him back in. They all steadily weakened as time went on, and bitter arguments ensued with Rickenbacker as the focus of harsh remarks. But the airline executive believed that he must not admit defeat. And he used sarcasm and ridicule or anything he could do to keep the others from giving up. He later learned that several of the other survivors had sworn an oath they would continue living just for the pleasure of burying Eddie Rickenbacker at sea. Passions flared. But when you read the accounts of the men afterward, they knew what Rickenbacker was doing and they thanked him for it. He would not allow their pessimism to stand in the way of their rescue. And that's where we are today. Don't let pessimism and hopelessness rule your heart and mind now. It's crucial for us to have the right attitude. We're not hopeless now any more than they were then. I've shared with you the miracle story of Dunkirk, where the small ships rescued more than 300,000 British soldiers from certain death or defeat. It took prayer, faith, work, and ultimately thanksgiving to survive enough and go on to victory. Today, we're faced with some really dark and dire circumstances. We see Google effectively stealing elections. Robert Epstein told us that. We see the advent of central bank digital currencies, a means of total economic control. We see a massive budget debt and out of control spending. We see our own funding of China as an adversary and building up their military and we're paying for it. We see deplatforming and canceling of righteous people. We see attacks on the family and family values. We've covered all this in the economic war room. It is bad, it's the bad, but we also share the hope. We've offered genuine solutions, the good, and action steps we can take to protect our families and nations. You'll learn that many of the problems we face can be addressed by getting our heart right, by getting our money right first. Jesus taught us that in Luke 16, 11. That's why we keep telling people they must weaponize their money, their giving, spending, and investing if they want to achieve victory in this economic war. 
Now, if you're new to the Economic War Room, go back and review the previous episodes. We offer solutions for every problem we bring up. The motivation that Eddie Rickenbacker used to pray for help, and then when a seagull landed on his head, he captured it and shared it, that was inspired by a true story. This man as a child, he, he had to really struggle, but we can learn life lessons from him. So here are the lessons we strive with excellence, maintain fidelity to principle, put aside differences when required, persevere through faith, and have the right attitude always. Of course, it's not easy to do this, especially if you feel alone. And you're going to need help because things are more complicated than 100 years ago. But the principles are the same. We're in another war. This one's an economic war. And like Rickenbacker's day, we face an enemy at home in the form of government overreach and socialism, but also a foreign enemy. Then it was Germany and Japan, now it's China and Russia. For the most part, it's an economic war and you're being targeted and you should have help. That's why we're training financial advisors at the NSIC Institute. NSIC stands for National Security Investment Consultant. Do you have a financial advisor? You should have one, a stockbroker, a financial planner, an insurance agent, a CPA, anyone who can help you with your investing. And if you've got one, don't you want them trained to help align your money with your values? We train advisors at Liberty University in an eight-week course. You can learn more about this at nsic.org. Now, everything we've talked about is summarized in this week's free economic battle plan. You can learn more about the economic war of the heart. You can learn about finding a financial advisor. You can learn about weaponizing your giving, spending, and investing. So go to economicwarroom.com and sign up for the free economic battle plan. Fast Eddie taught us the power of perseverance, and he gave us a plan for victory. We've got to learn from it. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room.